I'd like now to welcome an advanced nurse practitioner, the link between the hospital and the centre, Katrina Duggan. Um, so first, thank you to, to Jackie, to Francis, to Mossy um, for asking me to speak here today. Um, so this is uh, a number of our staff members in the oncology department. They'll be familiar to, to some and the support centre. Um, so I really want to do this justice because in, in all of our opinion, working in the, in the um, oncology department and the medical oncology, um, the link between the two is vital and it's it's very hard to see in this day and age and the challenges that we face in the um, oncology services, how we would manage alone without the support of the centre. Uh, so just to give a background of our oncology unit, it's actually established 20 years this December. Um, so we originally treated about 15 patients per week um, with probably about five different types of treatment. So there's been major advances um, in the 20 years. We had three staff uh, starting out and roughly around 300 patients attending our oncology outpatients per year. So we know the oncology figures and the cancer figures, but 40,000 new cases of cancer are related tumors diagnosed each year. Um, so in just last year, our figures, 600 oncology day unit treatments delivered in 2019. Uh, that doesn't include um, um, like uh, non-chemotherapy agents and other like educations and visits. So th that would be obviously a lot more. Uh, and that's an increase of almost 30% in just one year. Um, so that's huge. Um, and then 853 people attended our outpatients in 2019. So a 52% increase uh, since 2008. Uh, our staff at the moment, three full-time staff, three part-time and one A&P. When we look at the, like the outpatient figures um, from 2008, um, staff haven't increased in that time. So we have like a 52% increase and actually uh, less staff. <laughs> um, so th that poses major challenges, obviously, to us in the oncology department. Um, and not least the fact uh, about the major treatment changes. So we could see that like we delivered five different types of treatment, you know, in, in 2008 or 2000, 2001 when we originally opened. Um, and now we're moving away from kind of the standard chemotherapies in a lot of, a lot of treatments and we're going towards immunotherapies and more targeted therapies. And this is fantastic. And, you know, these targeted therapies for some, you know, for some advanced ca cancers in small proportions of people, they can, they can produce almost, you know, durable responses and even cures in some people. So these, this, is, this is really something to celebrate in, in the world of cancer. They're major advances, it's fantastic. But they come with a lot of, a lot of side effects and a lot of challenges for staff. Um, so I suppose with reduced staff and these kind of challenges and the importance for staff as well for continuing education, like all of this is vital, but these are challenges as well for staff. And also challenges, of course, for for patients and their families because they're they're dealing and they're coping with these um, uh, unusual toxicities and 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 um, you know the 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 long term and the residual side effects of these treatments. So this was the, the latest figures: one hundred and seventy thousand people living with cancer in Ireland that have you know durable response to treatments. I just picked one, you know, the breast cancer survival rates, but we can go through you know, through any of the different cancers. 
um, survival rates have increased by 15% since the 1990s, which is which is massive. That's it, you know, fantastic. The five-year survival rate from the disease has increased from 50, or 70% um, in the 90s to 85% in um, 2015, and even a further rise for a particular age group. Um, but again, as we talked about the challenges, 20% of long-term survivors are dealing with like residual physical and psychological side effects of treatment. Um, and the, the, the various challenges about, you know, uh, living with cancer and not, not only people like living, you know, once the treatment is finished, but also the treatment of like the way we talk now, they're almost a chronic illness. So people are on treatment for longer and living longer with it. But this comes with um, with with side effects and um, so how people slot back into their social roles and like as Mary said, you know the the need for support in this, um, and this goes beyond um, goes beyond I suppose the the hospital and and what we can provide in a three monthly or six monthly appointment. Um, uh, as I said, given the current workload, much of the traditional follow-up is focused on monitoring the disease. So anyone will know when they come to their, you know, the outpatient's clinic, they're waiting for a prolonged time. And, the, you know, the visits, the visits can only do so much, you know, and it's, it's, it's the need for something after that that we can't provide or are currently not able to provide. This is just a little uh, a slide about the importance of MDT, multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary involvement. And this isn't just after treatment, but obviously when somebody is diagnosed and going through treatment and coping with various side effects. So obviously the, the family and social networks kind of raise quite high in this and the importance of that. But also like medical oncology and nursing, dietetics, social work, psychological. And this would be through all the research, the importance of this. Um, just to, to highlight here, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, in Portiuncla, we've had no oncology dietitian for, since June of last year and no designated social worker or even social work hours. And obviously, that's a, a huge gap in the service. So where do people go for that? Um, Nursing staff, I suppose, try to meet some of the demands, but that's not not their specialty either. Uh, this is really just a slide about uh, what chemotherapy or targeted therapies uh, can do, and a lot of people would, um, um, you know, I think would agree with this. It's almost like it's a whole body; it's not just one place. It's um, the, the the diagram is supposed to, you know you know, a breakdown of, of so many different things and the toxicities that it, it can it can uh, render. So it's not just in one area. Um, and this is the, the, the challenge of what chemotherapy agents do. Um, from this lovely quote, the very, very old one, but we study health and we deliberate upon our meats and drink and air and exercises and we hew and we polish every stone that goes to that building. And so our health is a long and regular work, but in a minute, a, ca a cannon batters all. Um, and I think a lot of people can um, identify with that. I had to include this because this is something we hear every single day. And I'm sure uh, people undergoing treatment and up in the centre you know about the importance of, of you know, staying positive. And um, so I got these two lovely ones. I don't know if anyone knows uh, Samantha from Sex and the City, but 
Um, and then this is the mastectomy dance. I don't know if anyone has seen this, this video about the, the lady doing her dance before um, her mastectomy. Um, and it's just, yeah, the power of positivity, while obviously it can be great, it can be a real um, isolating place. Um, so yeah, our culture reveres positivity and we have a, a need as a society to find a silver lining in a challenging diagnosis. Um, and sometimes it can put a very uh, um, enormous pressure on people to stay positive and, and almost um, keeping the side of, you know, of even being falling apart, that we, we can't do that amongst people and we, we need to stay positive all the time. So it's with all of these challenges, it's where do we go with this? What do we do with this? We come into a busy oncology department, we're trying to get our medication. There really, you know, there may not be room for that. So where do people go and what do people do? Um, I just wanted to include this about the, the, the latest recommendation from the National Cancer Strategy. Some people may or may not be aware of it, um, but they highlighted, I suppose, and it's a big part in it about the, the survivorship programs and the importance of this um, and uh, working with uh, volunteer groups and, like, and hospital staff to develop programs in survivorship. So they've highlighted, I suppose, the importance of this and the need for this. Um, uh, so this is something we need to be moving for, but also lots of supports need to be put in place for that to happen. Where do we go from here? Um, I suppose when uh, Jackie asked me to do this, I was kind of almost struggling how I can really put into words the link between the hospital, the oncology services and the support centre. Um, and it's been just... Uh, it's been such a vital service for us over the years. I mean, I work in the outpatients. I don't know if um, many people have met me there, but every every week in an outpatient clinic, I'm referring people up to the centre. Um, maybe two, three, three referrals a week, you know, when we don't have the services in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> it was a busy day, Jackie. Um, so for us, it's vital because we don't have the services, you know, and... I mean, the hospital is, you know, it's a great centre. It's a great oncology service up there. So it's not taking from that, but the importance of having a support centre um, so close by is, is absolutely vital. I really want to thank all the volunteers. I'm sure there's many here today, um, to Jackie, to Mossy, to everyone, because we don't probably get the chance to say it enough, but like we are so grateful to have the centre, so grateful for all the volunteers um, and thank you for all that you do. Thank you very much, Katrina. That was great. And I know you put yourself out a bit today for time and everything to do this for us, so thank you very much. Uh, the next speak we've come up is for the Cancer Patients Perspective, and that's Edel Chadwick. No slides for me. I'm just going to talk to you because I know I'm pretty much preaching to the converted. I wanted to start with something that I came across today, and it was an article written by an oncologist, uh, a woman, in England who developed breast cancer herself. And she says, and I quote, the biggest ego bruising revelation was learning who makes the difference. As the doctor prescribing the treatment, I've always felt my role was the most crucial. For the patient, however, it's the healthcare assistant who smiles at you when you walk in and gets you seen on time. It's the volunteer who brings you a cup of tea or the complimentary therapist who offers reflexology and a chat during treatment. So for me, and from my perspective as somebody who has used the services in um, actually more than one cancer support services, but 
this is home. I know we all have a cancer story or most of us have some association with cancer here. So you know what it feels like. You know that when you get a cancer diagnosis or when someone close to you gets a cancer diagnosis, it's like a bomb exploding in the middle of your life. As the person with a cancer diagnosis, it feels like you've become separate. You've become different. You've become the other. You're like the specter at the feast. Life goes on in all its merry way, but somehow you're changed and you're changed fundamentally. And it's like somebody has given you this enormous burden that you have to carry. And the medical treatment is great, we're lucky. I know we complain and we spend a lot of time complaining about the, the health services in this country, but I feel very blessed with the treatment that I've had. And it's great, but there are times when it just feels so profoundly lonely. There was one time when I started radiotherapy, my very first radiotherapy appointment, and I'm lying on the bed, stripped to the waist, I had breast cancer, um, and they do all their measurements and it's all very clinical and it's all very technical and that's, that's fine, I'm an engineer, I'm comfortable with technical. And then they all leave the room and you're left there by yourself in this room, half naked, on a cold bed and quite frankly you're terrified. And you're so, so lonely. And on that day when I was there, and it, it doesn't last very long, you come out, you, you go back. And I came back to the centre and somebody gave me lunch and I have no idea what I ate. All I remember is the kindness and the love and the support that that lunch meant to me. So I've been lucky to avail of a number of the services from the centre. Um, it was the bus that brought me to that particular radiotherapy appointment. And I sat down with another friend of mine who's a colleague who, and we just calculated how much the bus saves the patient. So for your average 20 um, cycles of radiotherapy, you get the bus to Banaslow between petrol and between tolls and between parking. We reckon you're saving at least four or 500 euros a patient. And cancer is expensive. Cancer is expensive in terms of, you know, if you're buying wigs or if or just, just getting to appointments. So having the bus helps financially, but it helps emotionally. The support and the affection, and it comes back to kindness. And it comes back to kindness every time with the volunteers, the things that help you through. Because when we are going through th treatment or when we're dealing with the shock of having a cancer diagnosis, like I said, we feel so alone and we're so burdened. But we wear a lot of masks. We put masks on of coping. You know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How's the treatment? Oh, it's going fine. You know, how do you feel? Oh, I feel fantastic. Because we don't want to burden these people who are you know, concerned about us, but we don't want to overburden them with how bad we feel or how scared we are or how lonely we are or, you know, how much pain we're in or how sick we feel or any of these other things. So we put masks on and we put masks on for our nearest and dearest, our husbands and our wives, our children, because we don't want to scare them more than the terror that they're already experiencing. When you go to a cancer support centre and when you go to a cancer support centre like Lakela. It gives you the space to take those masks off. It gives you the space to be scared and to be vulnerable and to be in terror and to have somebody just sit with you and say, I know what you're feeling. I know what that's like. And to have somebody put their hand out and touch you and hold you. Because when I go back to the clinical experience of 
lying on the, the bed in radiotherapy, yes, it's very important. And of course, it's, you know, without it, I probably wouldn't be here now. But to go from that to somebody who will give you a hug or who will give you healing touch or give you a massage and that kindness and support where you're fully seen as a person as opposed to just a condition, just a condition. It's about being able to be vulnerable. Um, I have a short quote here, a piece of poetry from Adrienne Rich, and she said, there must be those amongst whom we can sit down and weep and still be counted as warriors. Because it's really hard. It's really hard to deal with cancer. And if there's a place that you can go where you can be vulnerable and you can be held and you can be seen, then that gives you new strength. It helps you move on and it helps you pick up those burdens again when you leave and be strong for your family and be strong for your children. There are so many support services from the centre that I personally have availed of. I've availed of obviously the bus, the lunches, thank you very much, they're fantastic. Um, healing touch, reflexology, um, the art group. But one of the other things that hasn't perhaps been mentioned as much is the support groups. One of the features that I think most of us who've had a cancer diagnosis has unfortunately experienced is, maybe not all, but a lot of us have lost people who we thought were close to us. And this isn't through, you know, some terrible thing happened to them. It's the people who just can't cope with the fact that you have cancer. And there's a lot of people in the room nodding right now. Most of us have lost that. But I was thinking as I was driving here, cancer has brought me so much joy. And it really has. It's brought me a new family. It's brought me, with our support group, people that I know, it doesn't matter the day or the night, there are people there who go, yeah, I get it. I understand. I see you. I know what this is like. There's three of them sitting here. <laughs> which is why I'm this side of the room. There was one night in the middle of the night where one of us couldn't sleep and put a message on the WhatsApp group because unfortunately, uh, you know, with some of the medication we're on, it doesn't really help sleep. And then it turns out most of us weren't sleeping. So at three o'clock in the morning when you're there and you're feeling like the world is closing in and the fear grips you by your throat because you just don't know if you're going to be there for your children and your children's marriages and your grandchildren. To be able to shoot a message off and find, hey, yeah, hey, I'm here too, I'm awake as well. It's that support and that fellowship and that kindness that the centre has given me. So I'm going to finish with one last quote because I know Mossy's desperate to keep us back in time. I'm only kidding you. Oh, right. <laughs> <I'm used> <laughs> and this is to the volunteers and for the volunteers and for the people who work at the centre, and for the people who pass through, the people who drive the buses, I see you, the people who make the lunches, and the people who offer advice and support for people who are at some of the worst times in their lives. And this is a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he says, the purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be honourable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. So to the volunteers and to everybody on the board who've made the lunches, who've driven the bus, I say to you, you're living well and you have made a difference to me and to so many like me. And thank you.